On this episode of Comics and Cinema, your host talks about two movies where one of the characters is invisible for almost the entire movie, along with My Hero Academia, Heroes Rising, I Am Not Okay With This, Princess and the Frog, Mewtwo Strikes Back, Evolution, Midsummer, and International Women's Day. Hello and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we've got a treat for you guys. I was able to pull off a double header this weekend, and I got to see The Invisible Man and Onward. And I also, uh, in the uh, interim between recording this and the last episode, I actually saw My Hero Academia, Heroes Rising, in theaters as well. So we're going to be talking about those movies along with a couple of other things I saw at home. Uh, But I wanted to first give a quick shout out for International Women's Day on today when I'm recording. So to all you women out there who are listening to this podcast, thank you so much for listening and thank you for being who you are. Uh, The world needs more women and uh, you guys are the backbone of our society, the backbone of our world. Uh, The future is female, and uh, shout out to Disney Plus for promoting Captain Marvel uh, on this International Women's Day. Also saw a great clip from Black Widow with uh, Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson uh, shouting out to a lot of the, uh, the marvelous Marvel women. And uh, a big shout out to, uh, is it Catherine Moss? Uh, who is the main character in Invisible Man. Uh, She did great, and uh, that's just one more strong and powerful performance by a woman in cinema. And with that said, we are going to dive right into these movies. I'm sorry, it was Elizabeth Moss, so... Uh, I, I'm a little I'm a little behind the eight ball on that one. But again, happy International Women's Day to all of you out there. So uh, before we jump into these movies, I'm going to talk a little bit about the uh, kind of the ones I saw at home, not necessarily in theaters. I'm not going to have as long of a discussion in regards to these. But um, the first one is I Am Not Okay With This, which is a TV show uh, on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. It's actually a really, really quick watch. So uh, if you've got about three and a half hours, I think is about what it is, maybe maybe four hours, but it's only like seven or eight episodes, something like that, and they're all anywhere from 17 to 28 minutes long each. So very, very short, but a very, very good show. It stars the uh, actress from... Uh, what is it? It from the It movie, and I'm I'm gonna be pulling it up here shortly. So another great female performance, uh, Sophia Lillis, uh, and I don't think I've seen her in anything else. Oh, and you know, oh she was in Sharp Objects and uh, the Nancy Drew movie that I don't think anybody saw. What's funny, and I didn't realize this as I was watching it, but I'm like, oh yeah, you know, she was in It. But Wyatt Olaf plays Stanley Barber in the show, and he is also in It. Oh, no. And he also plays a Stanley in it. And I didn't know this or realize this, but he is the young Peter Quill in both of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And he he was in It Chapter 2 as well. So um, he's great. He's awesome as well. They both just put on a great performance. It's, a show, it's by the guy who uh, wrote the or did the show, the other Netflix original show called End of the Effing World. And uh, also a great show if you ever get a chance to watch that. Uh, but it was this is a really good one. It's about a girl who's kind of coming into her own as a woman in terms of both uh, figuring out her life with her family. Her father uh, 
took his own life, committed suicide at some point when she was younger. And so kind of just navigating her world in that regard and also um, uh, dealing with superpowers. And that's, you know, for those of you out there that love superpower shows, this is one of them. So uh, what's cool about this one is she does not like that she has superpowers. And those superpowers typically only get activated when she gets incredibly upset. So it makes for a really interesting dynamic, again, as she tries to navigate her love life. On one end, she's being pulled and pushed by uh, by Stanley, who is a great guy, really likes her, and is really supportive, and actually knows that she has powers. And then on the other end, she's also crushing pretty hard on her best friend, Dina. So uh, like I said, really great show and a really quick watch, but, um, but worth it nonetheless, hands down. And I, I won't say any more than that, just because there's some cool things in this show that I wouldn't want to spoil. Um, the Princess and the Frog. Hello, I've never seen this movie before, and I finally saw it. Uh, now that it's on Disney Plus, and to uh, to my, I don't know if it's a credit or detriment, but uh, it, it's on Netflix, and I, I I didn't watch it when it was on there either. There was that time, and this was this was during two thousand and nine, so I would have been right at the end of graduating high school. I don't think I was into princess movies at that time. Uh, I have widened my horizons since then in terms of you know all cinema is good cinema. Back then would have been like ugh you know, that's just a kid's movie. But uh, I am so happy that I watched it and that I finally saw it. I loved that movie. I thought it was awesome. So I'm sure a lot of you out there have seen The Princess and the Frog, but uh, really fun. The the musical numbers were fantastic. Uh, Tiana, the princess, and, and it's funny, they really flip the whole princess thing on its head. But uh, played by Anika Noni Rose, awesome job. Awesome character. The whole story was great. I really thought it was a uh, great tale about empowering young uh, young girls and you could even argue you know any young person who's watching the movie that it's really really important to have dreams and to follow your dreams but not just that that you're not going to get there without hard work and I think that is a piece that a lot of people forget to tell their kids about is you can be whatever you want dot 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 as long as you work hard for it and so I think that was a really great message in this movie along with uh, just a really diverse cast in terms of really uh, diving into the Louisiana Bayou scene I loved that the uh, there's a little firefly and a firefly family and they're all Cajun and they talk super Cajun and uh, you know the main character was like, "Why do you talk that way?" And he's like, "Oh, you know." It goes into song about you know this is this is us down on the bayou. And I was like, "It's just really cool." It was cool to see that sort of representation because every Disney, at least all the Disney princess movies I've seen, are typically the same sort of Disney princess. I think you guys know where I'm going with this, but uh, it was just nice to see a uh, a different setting down on the bayou in Louisiana. I loved that. Tiana, her main focus was not on trying to fall in love and have a, a man save her, but was in fact on trying to open her own restaurant. I thought that was really, really cool. And again, a great message for young people. Uh, and then Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. This was a, uh, I don't know if this was actually going to come to theaters at all, but it ended up just becoming a Netflix movie. So it's, it's uh, like, it's a Netflix original, I guess you could say now, whatever. Uh, but it is literally a shot for shot remake of the first uh, Pokemon movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. And so this is called Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. So for those of you out there that are huge Pokemon fans, uh, I would highly recommend this movie. I really liked it. I thought it was great. or I, I, eh, It was good. I 
like a lot of the Pokemon movies, especially the first few, um, specifically the first one, second one, third one's great as well, and then some of the other ones like uh, the ones with the one with Latios and Latias. I think that might be could be called Heroes Rising as well. Uh oh, my hero, that's a problem there. But um, they they've declined over the years for sure because I've seen some of the more recent ones and they are not that good. Uh, but this one was good, and that's because the nostalgia factor. I loved the first the first one, and the fact that this was literally shot for shot, the only difference being that this is a, uh, a 3D animated movie, and by 3D, I mean three-dimensional, not that it comes out of the screen. It's not a it's not a drawing. It's it's a CGI, sort of, if, if that makes any sense. But you can tell from the cover, but it's great. The, the voice acting is awesome. Seeing the Pokemon actually be like that is always a, a fantasy of mine because, again, you only ever see them as cartoons. And uh, so it was nice to see them as 3D. But other than that, there are no surprises in this film. So there's no, you know, oh, is there a secret scene that's not in the original? No, no, no. It's just, it's the same. So if you're looking to kind of relive those memories in a fresh lens, I would really recommend that movie. It's fun. Maybe even a good movie to kind of have playing in the background just because who doesn't like Pokemon? Uh, and then the final the final uh, one of uh, kind of re-watches or watches on the TV was Midsummer. Uh, I had been listening to the Dead Meat podcast. Uh, they have an episode on Midsummer, and I was listening to it along with, and I, I told this to my brother. I was like, hey, I'm going to watch Midsummer. I was listening to the Dead Meat podcast. He's like, what about when I actually literally recommended it to you during our podcast episode of the best movies of the year? I was like, yeah, that's true. Uh, so I guess it was it was partially him as well. But I rewatched Midsummer, and, and boy, oh boy, is that movie fire. Um it, uh, it, I bumped it up in my rating scale and I've started realizing now I, I get very OCD about my numbers, my rating numbers. And I've decided as a, as a new year's resolution, a new year, new me, uh, I am using my ratings numbers as a generality now. So when I give a movie a seven or I give a movie an eight or I give a movie a nine or whatever, uh, it is not to say that, um, that I like it more or less than a different movie. I mean, clearly I'm going to like a nine more than a five, but in terms of like this seven versus that seven, I'm not doing like a 7.6 or a 7.5. Essentially I'm giving them numbers just so that I can group them into categories. And that is it. I don't want to keep being beholden to these numbers to where I go, Oh, you know, I gave Midsummer a nine, but I think I liked Pokemon more than Midsummer. They are completely different movies. So I think it's really hard to rate them. And obviously Midsummer is a better movie than Pokemon, but, um, I hope you understand what I'm saying. So uh, that's going to be going forward. It'll be kind of a new thing to me. I'm not really going to go over my number ranking rankings anymore just because they change so frequently and there's days where I love a movie and days where I eh. And so Midsummer is a great example of that. When I saw it for the first time, I was a little off put by it. I was not expecting it to be a uh, disturbing movie so much as a horror movie. And just because I was expecting that from uh, Hereditary. And I again, we kind of talked about this in that end of the year uh, 20, uh, best of 2019 podcast, which you can find uh, a couple, it's only probably a couple episodes behind this one. But uh, it was just even better this time around. The, the filming quality, the camera quality, and I think part of that was because on Amazon, it's available for free on in 4K. And that just looked so good on my TV. So um, seeing it that way was is awesome, 
and there was a lot of stuff that I didn't pick up on the first time, and those were the kinds of things that were pointed out to me in this Dead Meat podcast. So if you have seen Midsummer, I would really recommend listening to that Dead Meat podcast. Uh, on Midsummer, you're going to learn a lot about the movie and uh, may probably want to rewatch it again. But what was funny was the very last scene of this movie, uh, and I'm saying this now, we're going to get to it later, uh, but the very last scene of this movie is Florence Pugh kind of staring at the camera uh, and she starts to smile and then the, the movie cuts out because it's like, you know, her catharsis. And there's another movie that we're going to be talking about today on International Women's Day uh, that also had that exact same ending. And um, I won't say which movie, but uh, and it certainly isn't a spoiler, but I will tell you this much. Uh, now we are going to be going into the three movies that I saw in theaters and uh, there will be spoilers for all three of these movies. So if you do not want to be spoiled, press the pause button. Go see these movies. I highly recommend all three of them and, uh, and, and come back. And Or you can keep listening if you're brave. What I'll do, though, just to be nice, is I'm going to give you a brief uh, sort of uh, first glance at all three of these films to let you know what I thought of them. And then I will dive into spoilers after that. So uh, first up, My Hero Academia, Heroes Rising. If you are an anime fan, if you're an animated movie fan, if you're an action fan, if you're a fan of insane fights, this is the movie for you. This is an incredible movie. It's an awesome movie. If you are a fan of impeccable stories, twists and turns, inception-like reveals. This is not the movie for you. Uh, My Hero Academia, Heroes Rising is uh, almost the exact same blueprint as the prior film, Two Heroes. And for some, for me, certainly, uh, that's a good thing. And I think any time that they can capture that quality, that great story of the hero uh, having to overcome all odds during, you know, by themselves, that sort of thing, I'm all for it. But if you're the kind of person that, you know, maybe you saw two heroes and you thought that was a pretty basic storyline and you're kind of iffy now, you're going to be thinking that during this movie because it's the exact same story. Uh, it's just a different um, a different setting and we'll get into it when we talk more on spoilers. But otherwise, I loved it. This is now one of my favorite movies of the year. Haven't seen a lot of movies this year, but uh, I am going to be counting this one in my 2020 movies since I saw it in theaters. So, uh, recently, even though it was released in Japan in 2019. Uh, for The Invisible Man, that movie was awesome. That movie was great. If you haven't seen it, highly, highly recommend it. And specifically because there's been so much darkness and you know, pun, I guess, intended around the Universal Monster movies. And especially after I personally was really excited for the dark universe of uh, connecting all the monster movies. And then that sort of just flopped out because of how terrible the mummy was and, and rightly so. But uh, I had always thought, even before The Mummy came out, because I'm a huge Universal Monsters fan. I have most of the old uh, monster movies, and I love them to death. I've seen them tons of times. Uh, my favorite thing about them is their simplicity. They are quick movies. They are not long. Most of them are under like an hour and 40 minutes. I think one of the longer ones is A Creature from the Black Lagoon, which clocks in at like almost two hours, like an hour and 50, which is still... Um, still not that long for, you know, today's types of movies, but, um, they just, they always, they knew how to cut to the chase. They knew about less is more. 
And then when the, and I've, I've talked about these movies, again, these are clearly some of my favorites, but The Mummy, The Mummy Returns with Brendan Fraser and Scorpion King, uh, that was like my my uh, monster movie renaissance. I thought those were the coolest movies. I still do. I love them. But then they play, you know, they started trying to do all the Dracula movies, like the one with Luke Wilson or, or Luke Evans. And, which was good. I, I didn't hate it, but it was. I was like, oh, so this is kind of what they're trying to get at for a, a you know a united universe. And then the Mummy came out, and I went, immediately went and saw that in theaters, just hoping and praying. And it's sad because my favorite scene in that movie is when Doctor Jekyll finds the creature from the Black Lagoon arm in his study. So that just goes to tell you how bad that movie was. And it had some good action scenes, but regardless, each time I saw those movies, I just kept thinking less is more like you could have gotten away with such a excuse me such a tight uh small movie that would have had a very small budget that you would have made a ton of you could have still had tom cruise in it if you wanted to but have a small budget sort of ooh, this is the mummy's curse sort of thing that would have probably played better even if it hadn't have you know posted as much of a box office as it did it probably would have still made a profit because the currently the budget was just absolutely bloated so when this movie was announced, and kind of out of the blue, uh, and if you guys remember, uh, after The Mummy, or right before it came out, Universal announced that Dark Universe, and they they released that photo that was like Angelina Jolie was supposed to be uh, Frankenstein, the Bride of Frankenstein, and then Javier Bardem was going to be, I think, Frankenstein doesn't matter anymore. None of these, none of this matters. But uh, Johnny Depp was going to play the Invisible Man. And I just remember thinking, like, that's interesting because at the time he was uh, accused of quite a few things. And I was like, that's an interesting part for him to play as the Invisible Man because then he can get away with that stuff. And uh, my judgment's now clouded on that because obviously a ton of stuff has come to light on him and his relationships that maybe has made me change my opinion, but certainly has made my opinion a lot more fluid about the situation. So with all that said, all of that was canceled out. They said, oh, well, you know, this movie bombed, mummy bombed, we're not going to do this anymore. So I thought that was going to be the end. And then all of a sudden, The Invisible Man was announced. And um, The Invisible Man just, it. even watching the trailer, I could tell that this was a different Universal Monster movie. And I'm so happy that it was because the, the best thing that a movie can do if it's going to be a retread or a reboot or whatever you want to call it, is to is to be that reboot but with a fresh lens. So like 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street, and I, I talked about that in that uh, my best films of the decade, but those movies acknowledged the fact that they were reboots but then we're just a completely different type of movie. Or in a case like this where you have The Invisible Man uh, it's a movie about a man who can turn himself invisible, and so what will he do? And now it's like, okay, we're in we're in this time period where a lot of women are coming forward about uh, the uh, incidents that they've been involved in with men, abuse and um, assault, that sort of stuff. And it's a it's a huge thing. I mean, it happened. Uh, it, it became national news when uh, Brett Kavanaugh was going to be one of the new Supreme Court justices, and and someone came forward and said that. Um, they had uh, he had taken advantage of them uh, in high school and it ended up being a big hubbub thing and, and one of the first things was like oh she's lying like she you know don't ever believe the woman yada 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 and on international women's day no less can't believe it shocked but um so this movie 
does a really good job of turning that trope on its head of, okay, this is what the Invisible Man was back when it was made. Here's our take on the Invisible Man now in this time period of, okay, I, and you see it in the trailer, so this isn't a spoiler, but Elizabeth Moss is escaping from her her boyfriend or significant other, whatever you want to call him, and then she thinks that he, he apparently dies, but then she thinks that he's stalking him. And he is, right? Because he's the invisible man. But no one believes her, much like today, where no one believes the woman. And it's such a good commentary on today. And so for that, that is brilliant. And that movie was made with an incredibly low budget. It's doing really well. So Universal needs to take notes on this. And I think they sort of are because they're realizing, oh, less is more. And we need to just sort of revamp these movies for current day fans and for the current day climate so in that regard this movie was awesome and and totally a blast and it also was a non-stop stress ride so when you look at this movie if you go to amc wherever it is i'm sure it, it lists the movie as a suspense movie it 100% is. I was on the edge of my seat for most of the movie there's a lot of scenes where i, I literally took my breath away so that is invisible man and then onward uh, it literally just got out of that movie like an hour ago. Uh, was fun. Really cute movie. Really glad I got to go see it. Uh, didn't really do much in regards to same. Like I said, it's, it's a very basic storyline. Uh, but there's a much like with any Pixar movie, it is jam packed with heart. It is so uh, sweet and just really hit you right at home. And both myself and my wife were tearing up when we were watching it because it's just, it's a really touching movie and obviously goes without saying, but here I am saying it, the animation is, is gorgeous, just like any Pixar movie. So those are my non-spoilery reviews of all three of those films. Now, if you want, you can pause it and come back, or if you're brave, you can stick with me as we talk about spoilers for these three films. So my Hero Academia, Heroes Rising. What's so great about this film? Like I said, it's the fights. Um, so the story is all of the the teens or all of the students at UA High School are getting sent to an island, a island out in the middle of nowhere to be heroes on this island because I guess the heroes that were there either retired or whatever, they needed some heroes. So this is like a not necessarily an internship. They're actually working there as heroes, which is awesome and a great step forward for these heroes even though we all know the way that these anime movies are they can't affect the show at all so anything in this movie is going to have nothing to do with what's going on in the show which is a bummer and we'll get to it as we get closer to the end but actually now so azuka midoriya deku he uh, he's the main character obviously and he has these gauntlets on his hands and i was like oh i've never seen those before those were actually introduced in uh, one of the most recent episodes of My Hero, which is great. I was like, oh, awesome. So that's how he got those, which is weird. So that kind of is weird on the timeline of where this lines up, but I'm not trying to do timelines. I just wanted to enjoy this movie. And so they all go to this island and are just doing various hero work on the island, which was really cool to see, really get a good spotlight on all the heroes. And uh, But the big thing is there's this villain, an almost a no-name villain. I have no idea what his name is. He's just incredibly powerful like the, the villains are in these movies. And he is wanting to take cell regeneration powers from this little kid. And I'm skipping over a few things, but I'm just, I want to tell you why you need to see this film. 
and uh, his power is that he can steal other people's quirks, other people's powers, and then use them himself. And so he's trying to prevent himself from literally exploding because he's, you know, absorbing so much power. You know how it goes. And so, of course, he goes to this island where the kid is. It just happens to be where all the students are, and so they have to put up a fight. And so most of this film is them fighting this little group of bad guys, and the fights are just insane. Um, they're so fun to watch. They're very vibrant and kinetic and uh, just so much uh, there's a lot of heart in this movie too in terms of not never giving up and what it means to be a hero and even better is the relationship that Deku has with Bakugo who's his for those of you that don't know he's his rival or his, his, his sort of like a best friend he's you know they grew up together but they're rivals and they both want to be the best and so this movie is about them having to tag team by the very end to beat this villain now if you've seen the show you'll know that Deku has gone full 100% and beyond with his power. He went infinite in the show. I would argue that in this one, he does not go infinite, but he definitely goes 100% and probably a little more. But the coolest part about this, and again, I warned you about the spoilers, is uh, just the most touching and emotional scene where he actually gives his quirk to Bakugo so that they both have his quirk and they're able to defeat the villain. And again, you know, we all know that that's what's going to happen. We, you see it coming a little bit. And then from there, it's like, oh, is he going to lose his quirk now because he gave it away? And it's like, no, he's not going to lose his quirk. The show's still going. So in the movie, I'm like, okay, how is he going to get his quirk? Like, how is he going to get it back? And so they reveal, they didn't really even reveal it, but it was like, it basically didn't, didn't take. So Bakugo doesn't have it and also doesn't remember having it. And, uh, and, and Deku's fine. So it's like, oh, okay, nice. You wrapped it all up in a nice, nice, neat little bow. Congratulations. Uh, but other than that, again, that's why I say, you know, if, if that's not your type of movie, it's probably not worth your time and you're not going to find it. It's in very select theaters. But for those of you that do love anime, uh, you have to check this movie out. It's awesome. And even if it's, you know, once it comes out on rental, Invisible Man, wow, 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 wow. So like I said, uh, earlier, uh, and that's why I was waiting on the spoiler piece of this was I had watched Midsummer and then I watched Invisible Man the next day. Elizabeth Moss at the end of this movie smiles, like goes from the frown to the smile as the very last scene of this film, the exact same way that Midsummer does, which is amazing because both of those movies are just the just great movies about what you know women have to go through on a lot of occasions and so tough to see. But it's just great to see that that representation is on screen. That these things are no longer like a oh we don't we don't talk about that like we don't we don't talk about the problems that women face. I'm really glad that they're they're coming out, and also I'm really glad that people are wanting to go see it. Like I said, this movie is, was is so far doing really well. Um, but the Invisible Man again, Elizabeth Moss. The movie opens with Elizabeth Moss trying to escape from her uh, her significant other her I'd call her her captor's house. It's this really nice house on a cliff. And uh, long story short, she does. It's a really cool escape sequence, and that's basically the intro to the to the movie. And um, but as she's about to escape, her boyfriend like gets right there in the car that she's leaving with with her friend, and like punches the window in. He's like, "I'm you know come back here." And uh, so she gets back home. She's home safe now with her. And this was the only the only gripe I have with this movie. I didn't know who anybody was in this film. So I got, I got Elizabeth Moss. I got the Invisible Man. I get it. And I also got the Invisible Man's brother. But the guy that she's staying with, he, he has a daughter. 
I it sounded like they were friends in the past or something or that he was maybe friends with her sister I have no idea but I went with it because you know movies are all about um, suspending belief but I'm like what like they literally dropped her off at this house and she's basically doing rehab at this house of like stay she won't go outside she's too scared that this guy's gonna come after her and so she's been in the house for a couple weeks and her fr- it's either her friend or her sister I don't know but she comes over and she's like, what are you doing? Like, you can't come over here. He's going to know. Like, he's seen you. He, he can track you. And she's like, no, 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 no. I came here because he killed himself. He's dead. And she, like, shows him the article. And she's like, she's like, no way. Like, she's, she's like, I'll believe it when I see it. But then she gets pulled in. And this part, this is probably one of the best parts of the movie, in my opinion. She goes to, like, the reading of the will for him uh, with her sister friend and uh, the brother who like runs this giant company reading it off basically he has bestowed upon her a trust and he a five million dollar trust she gets a hundred thousand dollars every month for like four years is what he says something like that all she has to do is not commit any crimes or be deemed mentally incapable which (laughs) we know that you know we know where that's going but what does she do she immediately gives a lot of the money to her friends the guy friend she's staying with um her his daughter she's wanting to go to fashion school or something like that and she's like surprised like i got you this like i got you money and they're they're so happy and i loved that like there was this wholesome really sweet moment where they're all kind of celebrating and having fun before you know the whole world falls on her and and so there's there's an interesting bit in this film when she's escaping and this is where, you know, sometimes I actually really enjoyed this movie for being making me wrong, but I'm sitting here watching this film. And so she's like, has to escape through the basement. And in the basement is his laboratory. And so he's apparently a, like a pro at optics. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, how does he make himself invisible? It's probably something like what, what the Avengers have with the helicarrier or what S.H.I.E.L.D. had with the helicarrier where it's just a bunch of mirrors or, or whatever the case may be. And so she's down there in the basement and there's a glass, uh, like a glass case that has a bunch of what looked to be, I thought, were um, harnesses, not harnesses, but I guess just restraints that you would put around your wrist and your legs. And so I'm thinking to myself, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, oh, whoa, the Invisible Man is in that case. Like he he's in the case and, and she's so she's like disabling the alarms in the house, shutting off the cameras so that she can escape. And I'm thinking she's going to let him out. Like the, and I, I'm in my head, I'm going, oh, this is like her boyfriend is not the invisible man. It's like a guy that she, he has captured in his basement, like a test subject to make invisible. And again, at this time, I didn't really know exactly what how he became invisible. This is just my guess. But so then they, they do this really cool thing throughout the movie or they show her doing something, walking somewhere, and then they have a scene of nothing, like a scene, so like she'll be, she'll, she's like walking down a hallway, and then the next scene, it goes right back to that hallway, and just as a, is a still shot on the hallway, and so I'm already starting to interpret that as, that, those are the scenes with the invisible man, and so somehow he got out and follows her, and so completely unbeknownst to her and that's why i'm like man this movie's gonna just be so crazy because this whole time she thinks it's her boyfriend stalking her when in reality and so everyone thinks she's crazy and she's gonna kill them 
and 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 prove that you know oh it was my boyfriend when it was like a completely different person the whole time and that's going to just mess with her even more and uh thankfully that's not what happened but and i kind of got that about halfway through the film but so she's slowly learning to get better as she you know figures out i can walk this far outside and i'm okay but then when she finds out that he's dead and she gets the money and all that stuff she starts getting this feeling and it's interesting because when she was in the basement for a very brief second there's this almost like call back to the mummy the mummy but like that sound that the scarabs make when they're crawling around like they like a kind of like a bug crawling and um i was like "Ooh, is that the sound that the invisible man makes when he walks and totally is and so she like hears that sometimes in the house and you're like oh no like is he already in the house and so then things just start going off the rails so like she gets kind of scared and sleeps with the daughter and not her daughter but just the, the girl in the house and the invisible man pulls the sheets off the bed and starts taking photographs on what you can i can only presume is a phone at this point you don't see it happen and then she wakes up and she's like, what the hell? Like, what What are the blankets doing down at the floor? And she, I'm trying to think if that's the same scene. I think it is. She sees like a an indention in the in the seat of, of a chair in the room. And she's like, oh, no way. And then she starts to pull the sheet and two feet are on the sheet, like the, the in, indentions of the feet. And you're like, oh, man. And I, by the way, from the very beginning of this movie, the score is incredible. This is like annihilation level of score. It's that same sort of like that. And I love when they do that. And it was perfect for this because if you remember in Annihilation, when that really scary alien music comes out, which was that, they're like, uh, that's when the alien is out there and the invisible man, when you do eventually see what the suit is and all of that, that he's got on, it looks like the alien from annihilation and it is spooky. And this music makes it so much more suspenseful. So she freaks out. The guy runs in. He's like, what's going on? She's like, there's somebody in the room. And he's like, you're crazy basically. And you're right. Like no one believes her. And so eventually he starts getting more and more, uh, brassy by like doing more and more things to her, really messing with her. And so we get to this point where everyone kind of starts to think she's going crazy and it kind of crescendos in, uh, and this is where the first scene and those other scenes were spooky for sure. But this is the first scene where I was literally like, ah, like I, I got holy crap in the theater. May, may have said a swear, but, um, he, she's with the girl. And so by now she's kind of like, she's zonked. Like she just, she can't take this anymore. Like she knows that there's somebody there. And uh, there's a couple of creepy scenes with knives where like there's a knife sitting on the counter and it falls, it, it's pulled off the counter, but you never hear it hit the ground. And I'm like, oh man, he's just sitting there holding the knife. Really creepy scene. But so in this scene, she's sitting there with the girl. She girl comes over. She's like, oh, like, I hope you're doing okay. Yada, yada, yada. And out of absolutely nowhere, the invisible man punches her in the face, this little girl. And the girl immediately thinks that it is, um, it is Elizabeth Moss. And I'm like, come on, like, you got to know that. But she's like freaking out because it happens so fast in the movie. This literally any scene where the invisible man is causing mayhem, it, uh, it happens in a, a blink and you miss it, which is such good filmmaking because that's how it feels. And I imagine how it would feel if like 
did she actually maybe she did actually hit her because it happened so quick and i mean he's doing a lot to mess with her she goes to like a job interview and she's an architect and she's like oh yeah here are my samples and like undoes her bag and they're gone and she's like you've got to be kidding me and it causes her to faint like and they oh so it causes her to faint and and this is before the the punch but so it's like it causes her to faint and they run a blood test on her and she has she basically has an insane amount of diazepam in her which is birth control and you remember from the beginning of the movie which i never mentioned but in the beginning of the movie she like pulls out diazepam from her um uh from like under her bed and it's like ooh, what's going on and and i'm not super familiar with birth control i thought diazepam was like something else and so the whole time though i'm like okay so she's taking secret drugs okay but so when she's leaving when she escapes at the beginning she drops the diazepam uh pill bottle and the the we'll call him the invisible man adrian he grabs the bottle and there's like blood from his hand after he punched the window of the car door and so she goes back into her bathroom like she comes home after they're like yeah we ran blood test and the, the doctor so the doctor calls her she's at her house and is like hey you know we we found a lot of diazepam in your system and she's like that's not possible and she's talking about it when she's in the bathroom she sees the pill bottle on the sink with the blood on it and as she's saying that Everything starts drowning out, but you can hear the doctor saying, there's also something else really serious we need to talk with you about, but I need to tell you in person. And you're like, oh no, what now? And so we find out, and so at this point, she goes to um, she goes to Adrian's brother, back to the business guy. She's like, you need to tell him to stop. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, she's like, no, you know, this is what he does. He said that he was going to follow me no matter where I go, that I would never get rid of him. And he's like, honestly... I was happy when he died because he did the same thing to me, but my entire life, not for as long as you you knew him, yada, yada, yada. And so it's like, oh, I was like, okay, they're on the same team because immediately in the beginning, you're, you're immediately thinking that he's the, he was the bad guy. And so I liked that. They cleared that up really quick and it was made total sense. And I was like, okay, okay, awesome. So she's like freaking out, like how, you know, how can, how can this be possible? And so, um, so then, you know, fast forward, she's, like I said, she's sitting down feeling really bad about everything that she was just told. And, um, and so they punch the girl in the face. So the dad comes in and he's like, I've got to get my daughter to safety. Like, I'm not saying you did this, but it clearly looks like you did. He, he, and I like the way he explained it to her. He basically just says, look, my number one priority right now is making sure my daughter is safe. Is that okay with you? And she's like, yes. He's like, all right, I'm going to leave. And like takes, he's like, you need to leave. But she doesn't leave. She just like throws coffee grounds on the ground so that she could see his footprints. But she's like, you know, goes into this monologue of what do you want? And I'm like, oh, you need to just like, you need to get out of the house. And so that's when, you know, it hits the fan and he starts attacking her and it is just a visceral scene because no one's there. And it's just like, oh, man. And actually, that comes uh, just a little bit after she uh, – so she puts these coffee grounds on the floor and just sitting there talking. And you're like, okay, that sounds like a solid plan, I guess. Like she has a knife. And if he steps on anything, she can just stab him. But so she immediately starts stepping on the coffee grounds and goes and grabs uh, her cell phone. She somehow gets the brilliant idea. I'm going to call Adrian's phone. She calls the phone and it starts ringing in her in the attic. And I'm like, oh, no. So she goes up in the attic. Up in the attic is a knife 
in a plastic Ziploc bag, her architecture documents, uh, some keys, a set of keys, and Adrian's cell phone. And she opens the cell phone that's got all the pictures of like that he was taking of her sleeping. And then a, a phone, like it buzzes in her, uh, the phone buzzes and says, surprise. And she's like, looks behind her. No one's there, obviously, but she starts like crawling towards the, the attic door or the, it's like a stairway that opens from the ceiling. And she accidentally bumps paint or no, she just throws paint down there and it covers him and it looks so creepy. And I was like, Oh no. And so there's, so she starts following this paint around the house where he was walking and it leads him to the, leads her to the kitchen and they have this huge fight and it's an awesome fight. Like they're smacking each other around. It's crazy. And so eventually she escapes. She's like, I'm out of here. And so she leaves. And at this point is in like sort of in hiding, but she, at the same time, Adrian also sent an email to her sister friend saying like, I hate you. I wish you were dead. Like a classic fake email. And so, you know, she has a falling out with her friend because her friend's like, I got your email. Like, screw you. She's like, I didn't send the email. And so she calls her friend. She's like, please, like, if you, if you love me at all, like, will you please meet me for dinner? And I still don't know if it's her sister or friend, but so they're sitting there and, uh, and I'm jumping all over the place. But so during this time, she's like, no one believes me. She's like, I need proof. And I, based on what I saw, that proof is in Adrian's basement. So she catches an Uber. That's what she does. She escapes from the house, catches an Uber and goes to Adrian's house, gets inside the house and steals his suit or like hides his suit. There's the suit apparently. And then that's how you learn about how the suit works. And it's super cool. The suit is just a ton of little cameras and they make that, that bug noise when they're working. But so she hides the suit so that he won't know where it is. And, uh, and, and yeah, so she doesn't. So she's like, now I have proof. So she calls this sister friend. She's like at the dinner table and she's like, I have proof. She's like proof of what? And she's like proof that Adrian has been stalking me. And that is a lie. He's alive. And you're like, finally. And the, the lady like opens her eyes wide, but starts looking to the left. And she's like, what are you doing? To the left of her is a knife floating in the air. And in, again, a blink and you miss it moment, the invisible man slices her friend's throat and immediately puts the knife in Elizabeth Moss's hand. And she's just like, she's done at this point. She's like screaming, freaking out, gets arrested, taken to a psych ward. And uh, so that whole, so while she's in the psych ward though, her brother comes, his brother comes and is like, hey, you uh, and there's like nobody around but he's like hey you violated the the rules like you've been committed of a crime you're deemed mentally unstable and during this time she she's like ran for tests obviously and she's talking with the doctor at the psych ward and the doctor's like did you know you were pregnant she's like what she's like yeah it must have been like within the last month or so and she's like oh and it's like oh no and they don't necessarily imply that this happened when he was the invisible man but they just say that and so she's now talking with his brother and he's like you you know you can sign he's like if you want you could do a legal battle to try and fight this but that's going to cost you a lot of money so you can just sign this document and it'll make things a lot easier and she's like i'm not signing that he goes well there is a third way and she's like well what's the third way and he gets really quiet he says go back to him and keep the baby. And you're just like, oh no. So he's been in on it the whole time. What a twist. 
And so she loses it. She so at this point she's kind of like figuring out what to do. She steals. He she like knocks all his papers off on the floor. And while he's picking them up, she grabs a pen from his uh, a pen and a little bit of like sticky gum that was on the table. And she's like, I'm never going to sign those papers. He's never going to get his baby. Like, tell him he can go to hell. And so she goes back into his room. And she knows. He's like, we'll be watching you. And it's like, obviously, the invisible man's in the psych ward. And so she, um, oh, so great. So she's in there. There's cameras in there. And at this point, she, like, goes into the shower, grabs the pen. And she's like, Adrian, I'm not letting you have this baby. I'm killing myself. And so she stabs herself in the arm to, like, cut her wrist and just as she predicts, he grabs her and she's like, basically like, haha, got you. And so she just starts stabbing him, stabbing his suit with the pen. So the suit's malfunctioning now. And so it's like going from him, him being invisible to just being a little bit like this scary black suit. And so the cop, like all of these cops start coming in, like he's killing all these cops and at this point, it's like, awesome. There's no way they can pin this on her because she's like on one end of the hallway. And he, it's actually a really cool scene. It reminded me a lot of the Iron Man 2 scene with Black Widow where more and more security guards just keep dumb, coming down this hallway and he just keeps taking them out because no one can see him. And then he'll like flash and people see him and they're like, oh, whoa, there, there's actually someone there. And so at this point, she takes it upon herself to like try and stop him. And it, it all kind of culminates in kind of a battle outside. But then he eventually is like, I'm, he says like surprise. And then he's like, I'm going to kill everyone you love and takes off. And so she's like, oh no, it's going to be the girl, like the young girl. And so then we're at the house and the invisible man is, he gets to the house. She escapes from the psych ward. Obviously she's already outside. And so the, the final battle is at their house. He, she calls her dad and is like, Hey, you need to show up like your daughter's in danger. And so he heads there as well. And the Invisible Man kind of puts up a really good fight. And eventually Elizabeth shoots him in the in the chest like four times. And they take his mask off. And it's the brother. And you're like, no. Like, no. And she's like, no, no, no. This And so eventually the, like, the SWAT team goes to uh, in, infiltrate Adrian's house. And they find him in the wall, like tied up to a boiler. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like he set this all up. This was Adrian. This is not his brother. And the cop, the 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 friend who he happens to be a cop, he's like, look, we can't like you can't say those things. Like I believe you, but no one else is gonna believe you. You need to stop. And so she, so you're like, uh huh, huh. You know, I wonder, I wonder. And so at this point, Adrian's alive and uh he's saying that his brother made him do all of this and so she gives him a call and she's like hey i i want to come have dinner and he's like that sounds great oh my god i missed you so much and there's this scene too uh when she's in the psych ward the brother basically says or she she keeps asking him like why me and the brother explains that she was the only person that rejected him that like basically no one could ever say no to adrian and she's the only one so he's obsessed with her it's like okay that's valid um but so she goes to his house she's all dressed up nice and he's got this nice spread they're at dinner there's a camera on them and he's she's like i need you to admit what you did and he's like i don't know what you mean and so you know do it tell me you know admit it and and we find out that her friend is in a truck outside she's being wiretapped so he's listening in to have him admit it 
and obviously also to protect her. And he won't admit it. And she goes, you know what? I need to go to the bathroom. And so she's like, you know, this was silly of me. I'm sorry. Like being nice to him. And he's like, oh, of course, like, you know, go for it. So she goes to the bathroom and then it's the can. It shows the camera and on the camera, the knife, like she puts a knife in his hand and slits his own throat while she's wearing the invisible man outfit. And I just, I, you could feel a collective catharsis in the theater of like, oh yes like finally justice has been served and it was great because they even continue on from there so so she like calls the police help 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 i i think he just killed himself and then she like walks right off camera and she smiles at him and she's like surprise and it was like oh you got him and so she walks outside and he's like what just happened and she's literally holding the suit in a bag and he's she's like didn't you see it on the camera he killed himself and he's like ah, no, like, you definitely did this. She's like, well, what did you hear on your microphone? And he's like, it sounded like a suicide. And it's like, oh, yeah, dude, that's that's what you get for not believing her this entire time. Now she gets to pull the wool over your eyes. And so literally she walks away, smiles, like, into the camera, and the, the movie ends. It's so good it's awesome i loved it and and like i said it was it really brought me back to midsummer too it was nice to see both of those movies at the so close to each other but like i said just a the the music was great the score was phenomenal the performances were fantastic it was a it's an awesome movie so if you get a chance to go see it check it out because it it just does a really good job and and while there are some pieces of it that are um predictable like obviously to me when she was over there i knew immediately like okay she's going to be taking this guy out uh but it was no less satisfying when it happened because elizabeth moss is such just just gives such a good performance and the guy who plays adrian is such a sleaze and so it was really nice to to see that all kind of go through it was a really great uh emotional roller coaster for sure and then onward uh we'll move on to onward now uh onward was great as well spoiler wise uh, honestly, not a lot to be spoiled by, except for the way that the ending goes, which is typically a Pixar movie, right? Everything's kind of basic, except for one cool thing. So you've got the pair of brothers who are on a quest to uh, bring their father back. So on the younger, uh, so that's played by Tom Holland and Chris Pratt, and the younger elf, their elves, in this uh, land where everything is fantasy, except it's kind of become mundane. And I liked that message. It was interesting that the magic's kind of fading away. And uh, he turns 16. Apparently the dad died of a sickness when before he was even born. And uh, he gets his mom gives him a present. Like this was what your dad wanted you both to have this when both of you at least were 16. And so the both the brothers open it. And it is a staff. And this is, again, all in the trailers. So there really aren't any spoilers. <clears throat> Excuse me, spoilers in this movie. But uh, it's a staff with the a spell to bring the father back for one day to... He wants to, like, see how they've grown. And so they're they're performing the spell. Or the, the, the young boy is performing the spell. 
and uh, only is able to bring back half of him, just half of a, a body. And that's where my call out for both the movies I saw this weekend are Invisible Men. You got the Invisible Dad in this movie and the Invisible uh, Boyfriend in the other movie, but there are moments in the movie where you can see each of them. So uh, that's my through line, and I'm sticking. that's my story. I'm sticking with it. So uh, basically they have to go on a quest when they're trying to bring him back, the the Phoenix gem that's being used to bring him back explodes, basically, or breaks. So they have to go find another one. And the brother is, like, super into Dungeons and & Dragons and role-playing. And so he's like, oh, I've, you know, I know how this goes. So they go on a quest with the dad, just the bottom half. And they weekend at Bernie, the top half, with, like, a shirt and glasses. And it's this movie's just a story about them kind of going on a, a quest to bring their dad back and find these things and so what's sweet is again it's you know very very by the numbers movie by the end of it when they reach the point where they should have gotten or they should get the crystal they don't obviously and the brothers have a fallout and the the sweet piece of this film was the son's making a list he like makes a list when he turns 16 what he wants to be the new me and he's like, I want to learn how to drive. I want to, you know, make friends, yada, yada, yada. But then when his dad come back, comes back, he makes a new list. And it's like things to do with dad. And it was like play catch, laugh together, share, spend, uh, like share my life with him, my life story with him, all, all this stuff. And so by the end of it, he, you know, him and the brother have a falling out because the brother is kind of a screw up. And uh, what happens is... He's sitting there with the bottom half of his dad. There's only a couple of hours left and he's going through this checklist and he's crossing the things off and you're like, oh man, like he didn't get to play catch with his dad. But the whole time he starts realizing he did all these things with his brother. Like he he played catch with his brother and he has spent his entire life with his brother and his brother taught him how to drive during the quest. His brother, him and his brother were laughing during like all the things he wanted to do with his dad. He did and more because of his brother. And so there's just this, and I'm, I'm about to choke up, but there's just this, this moment. And it's that Pixar moment where, you know, we broke down in tears of like, it's, it's, yeah, you know, he lost his dad, but his brother was there for him the entire time and was so so supportive and there's just such a loving connection between the two of them he realizes that and then obviously you know there's a, the big crescendo and they get it and bring the dad back and at the same time his brother his brother talks a couple of times his brother has a couple of memories of his dad he has like three memories he says but he says he then says oh you know four memories and his brother's like what four i thought he said it was three he's like well this one is not one of my favorite memories and he says when when dad was really sick uh i had a chance to go say goodbye to him and i walked into the room and he was covered in like tubes and all kinds of stuff and he was like i couldn't do it i was too scared i didn't want to see him like that and so he's like they're, they're at the crescendo they're fighting this dragon and uh he tells his brother he's like you you go so they're like doing the spell basically they're they're finishing the spell obviously they found the crystal and but someone has to fight this dragon that's trying to do the like take away the crystal and so he decides it's going to be him he says you know what he goes i don't have any memories of my dad but i have memories all of my memories are with you and you have just made my life so special and you are here with me now you 
have seen dad. You have memories and you have a regret that you didn't get to go say goodbye. So you can go see him, bring him back, say goodbye while I make sure that you can do that. And so he, uh, he beats the dragon, obviously. And he's just like watching through the cracks of the rubble as his brother, his dad like comes full form. His brother talks with him for just a couple of minutes because the sun's about to set, gives him a hug and then he disappears. And I thought that was just such a tough scene because he's literally looking at his dad through the rubble that was just caused and figuring out that, you know, he's a wizard, all this sort of stuff. And um, his brother comes over and he's like, dad's wanted me to tell you that he is so proud of who you've become. And he says, uh, he says it, he says, I, the only reason I became who I am is because of you. And his brother goes, it's funny that you say that because uh, dad kind of said the same thing to me. And he gives him the biggest hug and they just embrace. And uh, and then that's basically the end of the movie. So if you're wanting to go see, again, a basic Pixar movie with a ton of heart and is going to gonna make you get teary-eyed and is just beautiful animation, go check out Onward. It is am- it's beautiful. It's awesome. Uh, but don't expect it to be some crazy, you know, oh man, all the twists and turns. And it certainly isn't something as creative as Inside Out, but it is it is a great movie nonetheless. And I think I saw something that it's based on either the director, writer, someone who's involved with the film is based on his own experiences with his dad. And with that in mind, I'm really happy that they um, that he was able to kind of heal through this process of, of creating this art. So... Uh, those were the movies that I saw this weekend, and I hope it didn't sound like I was crying because I'm not crying, you're crying. And uh, but yeah, so the, that's those are the movies that we had. Now some some house cleaning. We are getting very close to um, moving. I think uh, we sold our house. Haven't um, haven't found a new one yet, but we've put in some offers. We're really really hoping found a great place. But there's going to be a spot where we probably won't do recordings for just a little bit because uh, obviously I'm going to be having to move and all of that. But uh, on the Criterion front, there was a, a sale. Uh, there you know, they used to do a sale twice a year. So I picked up some movies, including the Godzilla Showa era films. It is 15 Godzilla movies, including such famous films as Godzilla, Destroy All Monsters, Son of Godzilla, King Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, Godzilla vs. Mothra. Uh, as all of you probably know, should know, I am a huge Godzilla fan. I grew up on Godzilla. I've seen a lot of those movies. I saw them when I was young, though, and I do not remember them. I only remember, obviously, the original Godzilla, because I already had that on Criterion, um, which is one of the best movies ever. Uh, and then the current Godzilla movies for sure, obviously. But I've seen like most of those. The only one I kind of really remember is Destroy All Monsters. And I loved that one because that's like the Avengers of the Godzilla movies where all of the monsters are fighting. Um, but it's going to be really fun and hopefully for you guys too. Uh, the It's just crazy the amount of content this, this uh, movie set has that I can share with you guys. So hopefully in the future once I start watching those, um, I'll be doing reviews on them and kind of sharing the inside scoops. So definitely something to look forward to for the future. But for now, for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. Happy International Women's Day, and we'll see you at the movies. (laughs) ¶¶